Welcome back to Cloud Bar, guys. It's our last conversation of the day. And one of the ones I'm most excited about, mostly because I got family in the group today. Um, we are talking about the evolution of the ANR. It is one of the most well-known, uh, maybe the best known uh, title that you can have in a music company. But I don't really think a lot of people know what it means. Um, they think they do, but they possibly don't. Uh, so we have with us today a great team, um, some OGs up in here, and like the super duper, duper OG. Um, we have KP Prather, who is head of music for I Am Other. In case you didn't know this about the chair, he's the super duper OG. Um, we have Nicole Planson, who is an a and and entertainment exec. And we have Steve, Steve O'Carlos, who is an a and at UMG. Thank you guys for being here today. Everybody good? Oh, yeah, man. Thanks yeah. Thanks um, for having us. So we've already, just so that you guys know, last week we talked about, um, we talked, we've been talking about all the different aspects of the music business for our creators, uh, SoundCloud creators here. And I think what's unique about this conversation with you guys is that a lot of our SoundCloud creators are able to circumvent the A&R process, right? Um, and, and at least in terms of getting their initial set of music out there maybe then they get they go on and get signed and and things change but also i think their role is one of the ones that's evolved the most over the last decade or so with the streaming era and with the difference in the way that creators are putting their music up on different platforms etc so but the first thing i i want to ask is what does an a and r do people be like i want to be an a and r on a and r what do you do and i'm gonna i'm gonna defer to the elder here kp what does an a and r do from atop my chair i say uh <laughs> no um what does a and r do what what we're supposed to do is identify and cultivate talent to get them to a point where it's you know i guess commercially feasible um and that should be based on some level of taste or experience in the music space um and sure i mean but it has so many different tentacles now because it sometimes looks like a management sometimes it can look like a producer um you know it, it it's kind of that play it, it's a job you have to know that you're doing it so that you can't take too much space up in the room to do it like you have to identify yourself as the person who's playing neutral and just trying to see the room and figure out how to make sure that the the vision that you said you were starting out to get happens um nick i'll go to you next yeah i mean i'm definitely gonna um yeah echo what kp said i mean you're really very much a facilitator you know i mean you're identifying talent that you're super excited about you think that they're you know unique and and they have something um special to bring to you know, the music space, the culture, um, but really what you wanna do is help them see out their vision. So as an A&R, you wanna facilitate and you wanna create the best situation to help them thrive and be the best, you know, whoever they are possible, be the best artist talent possible. So, you know, you have to determine what, what they need in order to do that and every artist has different needs. And so, you know, you have to be really good at listening. You have to understand who they are. Um, you have to figure out what, what the best, you know, like how they're gonna work best and who they're gonna be compatible with. So you are using so many different kind of sensibilities and, and talents and, you know, your instinct and you're bringing a lot of information into figuring out um, determining what their needs are. But, you know, like KP said, ultimately it's um, helping them to create their music um, and, you know, create the best records possible ultimately. Steve, did you want to add on to anything the two of them said? Yeah, they kind of took all the words out of my mouth. You know, it's, it's, it's just, you gotta be the best utility player. You're mm -hmm. in the front line and you are the, the bridge between them and the rest of the world. So. It's a coveted position, but it comes with a lot of responsibility. I don't think people understand the depth and um, the dynamic of what you have to be able to do to be able to be um, a tool to the artist. Well, I, I do want to get into that about like what 
you have like what skills you actually have to have to be good in this role because it's actually always surprising to me how people say they want to be an A&R and I'm like you can't you can't just be an A&R like not everybody can do this job but before I get to that I wanted to first establish what an A&R does but now I want to backtrack and ask each one of you what your path was to where you are right now so Steve I'll go to you first since they took all your words away for the last answer. What, was your, what was your road to get to where you are now Man, it's been a long road, but, you know, each of these individuals on the phone has been a part of that for me. And I actually started with Nicole as an intern when I got into the business. And from there, I went to Dev Gym. And from Dev Gym, I've just been kind of in and out of different systems. And, you know, I started literally in radio promotions. So I was always interested on the on one side of it, how to market and promote records that were made to the marketplace, records that I love, records that I was just a fan of. I was just very interested in what that process was, right? So, you know, you see these hit records, you watch these music videos and they inspire you and they move you emotionally. You also want to understand like, how do they get there? How do they get realized like that? And that set me on that course to get there. And I've just kind of been around the sun and a multitude of different departments and different companies. and that kind of put me on my path where this was my last stop on the on the train on the train station you know? got it um nicole what about you well my road has been <laughs> a very long winding road um and steve just made me feel you know like the grandma up in here but it's okay um <laughs> um but i mean i started just you know i think like all of us music lover um didn't really know what a career in music looked like, but was just always felt super connected to, to music, to artists, to finding new talent. I actually started off on the talent side. I was, I was rapping um, in high school and college. And so um, I think, yeah, I, was, I just gravitated to that, to artists and that space. And um, so I just, uh, you know, as early as I could, uh, looked into an internship started interning at Electra Records. And uh, I actually interned in the A&R admin department, which was really good way to start. It was kind of like all the credits that I was like obsessed with reading in high school, I was able to actually see who all these people were and how all of how this all happened. So um, how everything what the whole recording process looked like, and um, what was involved. So that was a really good entry point. And um, I think at that point, that's when I really, I started to understand what the job of an A&R actually was and realized that that's what I wanted to do. And, um, you know, and then I uh, went on to work with the Neptunes um, and that's like, uh, did I meet KP? I might've met KP then. I mean, I met all of you then. <laughs> I met you all then. Um, exactly, because we, we had our deal with Arista. So that's where I met you, Naima, KP, you were there. And then Steve came and worked with us. So um, yeah, I worked with them for five years during the you know height of their kind of initial run when they first broke through as producers and were doing recording every single hit and every single pop, they were the go-to producers. If you needed a single, that was the phone call we were getting was we need a single, you know, and they were delivering the singles. So um, so we were busy um, basically. And uh, it was great. Again, it was my first big industry job and um, I was just literally thrown into everything possible. Um, and, but still wanted to be more hands-on, still wanted to be, you know, work with artists myself and just be creative. So I um, went on, worked with uh, Rich Harrison, the producer who did Crazy in Love. Um, and I went on to work as his product manager. He had a joint venture with Atlantic at the time. So I saw that as a way to be, again, just more hands-on and more involved and um, just kind of have my, my voice heard uh, more in that scenario and uh, moved on to work at BMI. And that's actually what brought me out to LA. And that was great because I was able to, I was just completely immersed in the creative community out here, working with songwriters and producers. And there was a lot happening out here in LA um, at the time with just so many new artists. And that's actually when I met um, Nipsey and uh, 
you know, Miguel and Janaiko and just all the Kendrick, all, everyone was just bubbling at the time. So it was a great time to come out here and just, yeah, fast forward, um, was there for five years, signed various artists and then went on to work at um, Rostrum. I had known Benji, the president of Rostrum who was responsible for signing was Khalifa Mag Miller. I had known him also from the Arista years. He had been LA Reed's assistant. And so, we, so, so funny to me that Benji owns like a Thriving life. I, love I know it. it's so crazy right it all just like comes full circle with all of us right and so um yeah and so we had an ongoing you know friendship relationship had worked together um supported each other over the years and you know I wanted again to be involved in projects hands-on on it my you know as much as I love working at Arista and being able I mean Arista at BMI and working with different artists, I still wanted my own projects. Um, and so he, I actually went over there to work with his management company. He wanted to build it out. I was gonna go over there and, and head it. We did that for about a year and a half, dissolved and then moved into just focusing on the label. And that's what I did for the last three years was just focusing on A&R, building out the roster um, and just you know signing, signing more talent. So, so the, yeah, that's been my journey. <laughs> important to note that like a lot of we mentioned in our first panel that even as even to sustain a career in this business there's a lot of evolution like very few people you might have a through line where you do something similar that pulls on the same things but very few of us stay in the same roles exactly and and KP you're an excellent example of that too so you've been a rapper, a producer, an A&R, writer, DJ, but, but also at the core of the music creation. So so what was your journey? Okay, my journey. It, okay, I'm going to try to do it the fast way because I think I told this a couple times over quarantine. Um, so <laughs> I started as a DJ in a group called Parental Advisory, which was a part of the, which is a part of the Dungeon family um, out of Atlanta, which is a collective of artists who we all just kind of came up together from high school which is Outkast, Goody Mob, Organized Noise, PA, uh, Cool Breeze, which it was a bunch of people. And um, we started doing music um, basically out of high school, doing talent shows and, you know, figuring out a way to make a studio out of a back room and a skating rink. And, and during this time, we got good and got good enough to where Pebbles and L.A. Reed noticed us. Um, the group I was in, Parental Advisory, we got signed. We were the first group to get signed out of the Dungeon family. So in getting signed, we got to be in the studio in proximity of the process. And during that process, um, Pebbles imparted on me that what I was doing, you know, at, at the studio was a, like an industry job. And, you know, for a couple of years, I kind of just didn't even, even, I didn't pay attention to it because we were touring, we were doing, we were, you know, we were working and, um, and Outcast was getting signed. So we were starting to see the, the, the process, the progress. And, while on the road, I would meet producers and I'd meet other artists and I'd call back to LaFace and be like, LA, you know, this person produces, you should meet them. And he was like, oh man, appreciate it. And he did that shit for a while. And then one day he was like, <laughs> no, you could be getting the checklist. He was like, why don't you just come on to do it? And I was like, I just didn't want to not be an artist because I thought that meant if I had to do that, I had to choose. And so I kind of put it off until I think um, probably around 96, and I went on as a consultant and the first project he gave me was Usher after his first album, um, the Puff that they did in New York. And he asked me to be a part of it because they were kind of not sure what to do at the time. Cause you know, obviously he was a star and he was talented, but it was something not, not connected. So that, my, my first idea was like, let's go to Jermaine. He's popping, he got Chris, Chris Cross, their kids. He knows how to finesse that and not be, you know, Cause I thought the biggest issue in Usher's first album was- It was the material was wrong. Yeah, yeah, it was like, it's only a sexual thing at 15. That, come yeah, on, bro, yeah. you, you canceling out a whole lot of 15 year old shit. That's what so, happened <laughs> producing your music at 15. <laughs> but, but, but the thing is, um, but taking them to Jermaine, you know, just, and plus we're all actually friends. Like we understand Southern, we understand what that means to be a, a kid growing up in the South and Usher being from Tennessee. We kind of just put that on it. And L.A. liked how that worked. And he was like, oh, I see what you're doing. You're using culture in it. And basically, I was learning how to A&R then. Like, I, I still am kind of learning it. But, yeah, it's I, I went from that 
then he hired me full on we did outcast because i was from the dungeon i was automatically the anr for outcast and you know but it worked because i learned how to communicate what was going on in the label and i would bring that back to the dungeon and so we were all kind of just getting smarter and um and during that la oh and so at, at a point i got to a place where the group i was in parental advisory was signed to dreamworks and DreamWorks wanted to hire me as an a based on what I was doing at LaFace. And when I told LA that, he was like, well, no, you just need more responsibility. <laughs> and that's when he gave me a production company, Ghetto Vision. At Ghetto Vision, I signed Young Bloods and TI. Um, worked on those records. We moved up to Arista, um, did Pink, Usher, Tony Braxton, TLC, um, a bunch of, like a bunch of stuff at Arista and got to a point where I felt like I needed to spread my wings um, left Arista, went to Columbia, where I, you know, worked with John Legend, well, signed John. Um, a bunch of stuff there where I met most of you guys, actually. Yeah, so got to the point where I went from senior VP of A&R to EVP of Urban Music there. Uh, Rick Rubin came. He changed the staff. I left. Took a kid I had just signed named Yellow Wolf and took him and put him on Ghetto Vision and started working it independently. So um, went from went through that kind of did management and, and production company stuff for Yellow Wolf. Got that to a place where it was successful enough to get signed to um, Interscope. Did a JV with Interscope with Ghetto Vision. They brought in Shady. We did a basic a bigger partnership with Shady. Um, and then I just felt like I got to the point where I could I could pass it off and started. Oh, that's when I went to Atlantic. <laughs> Um, because T.I. was doing his last album at Atlantic, um, and he asked me, would I come over and do the A&R for it? When I got there, they ended up hiring me after that. Uh, this is where Atlantic is where, again, a friend of mine, Pharrell, who I had worked with on T.I.'s first album, I'm serious. You know, we had been friends since the 90s, and I wanted him to work on CeeLo while I was at um, Atlantic. And during that process, he did Happy, um, was going to put it on CeeLo, it didn't work out, ended up doing it for itself, it blew up, and he was like, yo, why don't you just come over here and run this, because this was kind of all of us, and so that's how I got to I Am Mother. That's amazing. <laughs> um, and, I, and I DJ during that. Yeah, and you DJ during that, and you, book, and, and you had like your own set at uh, One Music Fest last year, and yeah, so I... Um, what I, so I want to come back now, now that everybody's heard these journeys and all that goes into it, and especially I think the important part of that is um, the relationships and connections and the desire to to make the artist better and, 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 and foresee their vision. So for me, I initially thought I wanted to go into a and I came out of, I came out of um, uh, music law, I came out of entertainment law, and um, I was looking at Shantae Page, who I know you know, and I was like, I want to do what she does. And, <laughs> and um, I actually started my internship at Bad Boy was in A&R. And I was like, eh, it's fine. But, I, but then I got to Arista in the marketing department. And I was like, no, this is, this is what I want to do. Like, give me the music after you made it. Let me do all the other shit. So, but, because I also realized that, like, that, the, the stress, because A&R is artist and repertoire. People focus on the artist part they think the a and are just the people who sign I do a fly shit. Right. But it's like, but <laughs> also the right, like it is your job to put together a cohesive project and or hit and or match the artists with the right people and match them with the right music and see them through the process and help them get better. So what does it take to And be articulate that to marketing and the other departments and, in yeah, the building. And translate it to everybody else so we can take it and sell it. So what mm -hmm. like what do you mean, and Steve, I'll, I'll go back to you to start. What does it take to be a good a and Like, people know you need an ear, right? Or to be a record. You guys are the record people. I'll say people. I was going to say record, man. But you the record people. When people say record guys, they mean folks who have that ear, folks who know how to spot, like, the song, the hit, the vibe. What Steve, what does that take? Like, what does that mean? What does it look like? <laughs> I think it's patience and being open-minded. Then you got to be able to absorb and understand and learn and just constantly be a student because, you know, like they said earlier, 
everybody's different and has different experiences and you just don't know what's going to get you to what you're trying to accomplish. So I hear a lot now, like when I talk to younger folks who are up and coming, who like to use the term A&R, they think it's because they got great taste and they got a great opinion or they're up to well, speed what's innovate. happening in real time in the club. <laughs> yeah, and by the way, none of those things are wrong, but to go in, I'll just talk about it from the musical building standpoint, because it's a lot more layers to that beyond that one part. But the most important part of that is the music part. The deconstruction or the construction of that process is so complex and so deep. Every album I go into with an artist, I don't know. I don't always know it unless I've worked with them, you know, continuously for years on years. And there's a couple artists that I, I have like that. But every time I go in with someone to go do a record, I have to learn that person. I have to learn the process. We got to understand the vision. We got to research the vision. Has it been done before? Nine times out of 10, it's always been done before. Um, you know, errors of music. It's just such a complex thing that you just have to keep an open mind and have patience to absorb and kind of learn as you go. There's a strategy, of course, in, in doing those things. But I would just say it's really about just keeping yourself open to be a student in the process while just keeping yourself away from things you just know are inherently just incorrect. And and KP and Nicole, both you guys have both worked with like super, I mean, like super producers who's, I think like when you think of Outcast and Dungeon Family stuff, or when you think of um, Pharrell and Star Trek and, 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 and even Rich Harris stuff, the producer is so dominant. You don't even consider that there was an A and R in there that was also guiding in the process, right? So, what does that look like when you're? I mean, working sometimes we're not. Sometimes. But that was what I was gonna ask. What does okay. it look like when you're working with talent who already has such strong, like their own sonic imprint or such a strong creative vision, or you know, it's their artist and they're kind of guy. Like then, then how does your role change? It's again, it's all based on what's needed in the room because even as producers and artists have a vision and, and even have the capability of doing things themselves, the experience of knowing how to get to things faster sometimes and just having that um, almost like a the recall, like this Steve said, like that's been done before. You don't have to even do it that way. It's just bringing a, a level of um, assistance to the process. And honestly, it just comes from caring. Like for me, I'll say this, Caring, like I'm, I'm lucky enough that the majority of artists that I work with, probably about 90%, I really like them as humans. So it makes it a lot easier to listen to them. And as humans, you hear them and you, you kind of just fall back into the place of, okay, I hear that you want to get to this place. Okay, I know this person who's that much closer to this. Let me put you in proximity to that so you can first see it. And almost like it, it's, a, it's a job of inception. Yeah. Like you have to put the things in the room for the, for them to play with almost in a way. And, and it's your job to make sure the right toys in the room, like you don't want to put, yeah, you, if you put the right toys in the room, they will build something. If they're dope, if they're the person you believe they are, you put them in the room with the tools they need. And you as a creative yourself, um, and I'll, I'll plug you here. You're also the song, one of the songwriters on both um, happy and Kendrick Lamar's All Right, for which you won. Not not happy. I didn't write on happy. Oh, no, not happy, but for All Right. Um, but, <laughs> but, <laughs> but for you, like, you just had a vision, right? Yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> um, but you were the A and R on on Happy. But um, <laughs> but you are a creative yourself. You're a music maker yourself. So how hard is it for you to not insert yourself in that? and make it about the artist's taste and not your taste. You know, it, it's, it's, it's the patience of waiting till you're asked. Like mm -hmm. the, the, I'm lucky in the way that I have um, different experiences that I can pull from, from being an artist, a writer, a producer. Um, yeah, like, like, like when leaving um, Sony, John asked me to come back on as a consultant to do his A&R, right? Cause I didn't, I no longer work there. But because I didn't work there, now my idea is that I might just throw in the pot because it's team. Right. I can throw in as no, as from a producer standpoint, like from like Greenlight, everybody knows on the Evolver album, I 
produced with Malay and wrote on those records as well. Mm -hmm. But, you know, because I have the, the ability, I can, I can throw shit in. That's basically what it is. It's like, if you have extra tools, it's that utility man theory. It's like, yo, I see a hole, just fill it. So that that way the, the, the play keeps going. Right, and, right. you know, and, and what's, what's beautiful, if you're good enough as an A&R, I think it looks like you're not doing anything. Mm. <laughs> and and you know, I think, yeah, yeah, which is why, yeah, you know, which is why it makes it a lot easier for people who don't do it to look like they're doing it, right? You know, so it comes <laughs> down to this thing. I heard, I, I want to say I heard Dave Chappelle say it yesterday on something, but he was he was saying how some dude walked up to him. No, actually, it was a Q and A after a show, and the dude stood up and was like. Yo, what would you have? What advice would you give to an up and coming comedian? He was like, Oh, you think about coming? He's like, How long have you been doing comedy? The dude said, Well, I don't, but I see you doing it. It makes me want to do it. And they basically said, So I do it so good that it looked that easy that you, who have never done this ever right. in life, feel like you can just do this. Right. The, the ultimate part is listening to all the creative people and figuring out where you play a part in that world. Mm-hmm. And that, that's your best bet as an AR. And if you have strong enough opinions or good enough opinions, people will ask them of you yeah. and just be, be there and be prepared to contribute in a you know constructive, positive way, I guess. Um, Nicole, there are very few women in this role and there are fewer women who are writers and producers um, mm-hmm. behind the boards in the studio. What how what i'm sure you knew that by the time you got in this lane so i'm i'm a curious what made you gravitate towards this side and stay there or come back there and b have you found it more of a challenge to be heard for your opinions to be heard for your advice to be heard in this space uh yeah the answer is yes to all (laughs) the above right (laughs) um you know, I think the time that I was, you know, I guess it's at the time and when I, when I realized, you know, number one, what an A&R was and I considered pursuing it, I just thought about the job, what the job was, what it entailed. It's funny you say Shantae Page because I remember, I think reading a piece on her in maybe Essence and I was, and I thought the same thing. So it's funny how those, you know, that they doing like highlighting people, like how that'll resonate because I remember thinking, I want to do that too, you know? Um, And I think, you know, we just came from a time where the thinking was, if you work really hard, um, then, you know, you'll be recognized for your work. And I think I came in, I think that's, that was a combination of, um, a little bit of naivety, you know, um, to be honest, you know, you find out over time that it definitely takes a lot more than that. There's more than just doing a good job. There's also being strategic. There's understanding relationships and there's just so many more pieces to it. But the reality is you're not going to know that until you just really start doing it. Um, And so I think that that was (laughs) what got me in was just thinking, I think I'm really, I could really be good at this. So this is what I'm going to go after. And I think I, that was my um, thought process for a long time, but yeah, I mean, I think it wasn't until further down the line that I was able to look back and, and think about um, just how, yeah, just the, the experiences, the, the experiences that I had and how they were different from maybe some of my counterparts and realized that it came down to me being a woman, you know? Um, Definitely being, everything from being redirected, um, as much as I would say I wanna be an A&R, I would get, the people would suggest that I do other things. You should be, you know, they they would direct me to more administrative roles because they thought I was organized or they would redirect me to, you know, oh, you should be a stylist. Like you should be all these other things other than what I said I want to be. You know what I mean? And I think that that goes back to the idea, just kind of the perception. Like even when you think about an A&R, number one, it's male dominated. The, the, you know, this 
it's a male dominated field. Um, and then just like the idea of what you imagine, I'm not, I'm not even that, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's, that's what I'm up against just from the jump. Um, and then, yeah, just all the, you know, um, definitely being overlooked. I think a lot of times people embrace or they choose to mentor people that they can relate to or that remind them of themselves. And so that's not who I was <laughs> for a lot of folks. Um, so I know that I definitely experienced not getting those, not necessarily getting those opportunities, right. you know? Um, which, which I realized later on that it did, it did really impact my road, which is why I think my road was, it was such a winding road or there were such certain times where I avoided certain scenarios because of knowing that maybe the person's motivation or, and their intentions weren't what they presented them to be, you know? Right. So you're presented with this opportunity, but okay, what comes with that? What environment am I going to end up being in? What am I going to have to, you know? And so I definitely, and again, I, I think I did it maybe just my instinct would say, no, you should go right. Don't go left. But I think in looking back, you realize like, oh, you know, I had to think about things in that way, but that also prevented me from being able to pursue a certain opportunity that probably would have been good would have been helped me career-wise. It would have been the next step career-wise. So just certain things that I had to consider um, are not, as a woman, are not things that I know my male counterparts have, have had to consider. Yeah, the you know? irony is, if I think back, you know, so many A&Rs, and this, we said this in the last panel with, with publishing as well, like we actually had to have a whole different discussion about women in publishing, writing, producing, all of that. But most of the A&Rs I knew had women who worked under them as admins, but I know very few of them who still work either in the A&R or the publishing space now. Um, but that, again, that could, that in and of itself is like a whole hour long. Hour <laughs> yeah, long. that's a whole other show. Um, yeah. yeah. Steve, so now in streaming, right, uh, in an unprecedented age of independent, self-contained, or at least self-starting artists, how, how has your role changed um, in terms of talent acquisition? Um, for me, it hasn't really changed, mm. but I have um, adapted it into my toolkit of understanding how things play out in the business sense in the marketplace, right? Um, I do think there's a lot of upside to the streaming analytics and the metrics of streaming. Um, because it tells you what what consumers or what fan bases are, are are leaning into, right? And I think that's very helpful. For me, in terms of acquiring artists, it's not high on my list because um, I look at artists in a complete sensibility, right? Like I've been able, I've had the the privilege of being with and working for a lot of important artists in my career. So everything that's been that I've admired about them and their journey and how they've built their, their, their brand has been a multifaceted thing, not, and not just one thing where it's like, oh, this, this guy streams a lot of records. Of course, that's always, everyone's going to compete for that. That's always a thing, but it's still the, the naked eye and the feeling of, is it special? Does it, does it speak to you in a way? Is it something that you, you've seen before, do you recognize the spark? It, it's still something innate and there's still a level of it that you have to be able to like feel as opposed to just read it on a paper and see what's happening. It, it's great to read and see how these things are like, man, it's something really trending like this, right? And you know, it's just changed from era to era. Like in my era coming up, one of the biggest analytical based artist was probably Young Jeezy, but it didn't come up on no BDS sheet, right? It came from right. the streets. It came from word of mouth. And that's still a great indicator, right? But when you get close to it and you can look at it and put your naked eye on it, you still want to understand and feel and, and, um, and be able to vision out what you think it can be. And that's how I try to acquire. I try to like take that skill set of that prism of that 
of that infrastructure and put it on something else so that way I can see if it works for how I want to take in town. So marrying the analytics and the gut instincts together instead of just taking it all as one or the other. Yeah, like analytics for me uh, it helps me build our great business model, right? Because right. we're in the music business. This is the second part of it, right? But in order for me to acquire, it's like, all right, I can buy something today that's trending. It's like going to Gucci or Louis Vuitton and catching the spring collection. You know what right. I mean? But, but is it Louis Vuitton though? Is really what you want to know. You like, know, am I like, gonna wear it? Can, <laughs> or not even, am I gonna get a, or is there a better iteration of it year after year? You know what I'm saying? Or is it just this one piece for this one moment for now, right? right. I don't I don't sound like that and I don't try to be a part of things like that. I, I, I'm a good uh, bystander and, and fan and audience of those things. I'd rather watch those in the bleachers because I understand it is important for the business and sometimes even for the scope of the culture of it, I'm into it. But, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm a, I'm a one trick pony. And, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And it's always worked for me to be with artists that have a very extensive plot of how they build their brand, music, business, creative vision. And I try to be a part of those things from A to Z. Um, I'm glad you said that part because that was a good segue. My next question was going to be, um, so a few years ago, the label I was at at the time created a analytics division that didn't sit in digital and didn't sit in A&R, but it kind of was informing A&R. So like if an A&R rep brought an artist forward, they were first like, well, call such and such and let's see what the numbers are. And, and it, and it was just kind of, it was a little frustrating. It, it felt like a frustrating way to decide to sign an act unless you were going for just a quick moment. So any of you guys could, could jump in on this one. Like, has it, have you had to kind of fight back with wanting to actually invest your time and effort in actually developing a career artist versus I'm going to put all my time into this one project and that's, and then I know that we're probably not going to get another one or is it worth it sometimes for you to just see where this one moment of fire can, can take off? Like how, like how do you decide what you're going to work with when you have the choice or how do you fight against it when you don't? If, on, um, if you have the choice, like say for instance, cause I've, I've been in situations where you have an artist that you think can be it, like, like, and it's, but it's going to take time. If you're running a business, you want to have something to happen while that's happening. While under the development of this major thing, if you have some some wins that will put, you know, points on the board till you get to your to your star gets right, you know, you you just have to understand the strategy of how and what people are. It's like it's looking at labels and artists like teams. If you have a label, like who plays center, who who plays back, who who does what, and how do we make this thing? run efficiently because if you look at matter of fact i can say this from our camp that from the dungeon family like outcast is the the flagship from jump because they look like it like we're from atlanta they're high school they are about whatever smoke happens right now where some of us may have been a little older and had other responsibilities they were the ones who could take the the message and go right so everybody poured into it and understanding that Cool Breeze, Cool Breeze came up with the Dirty South. He, but he doesn't. His career isn't Outcast career, but he's important. And understanding how to place people in a place where they can shine is probably a, a huge part of the A&R process. Is figuring that place out and coming from situation I, I'm I think I'm lucky and I'm probably speaking from a place of I started without the algorithm algorithm so it's not a crutch to me it's a tool so I don't necessarily understand how you can read one thing and think that's the fact like I'm from a, a place where you research you put things up against other things to make sure like who said it though like right. who said they were hot yeah like because at the end of the day like the algorithm thing can get you in trouble as an AR because it's just telling you what people like before it has nothing to do with things that haven't happened yet. Right, right. Yeah, I think I think we've had that conversation um, in the past, KP. Um, I think we come from, we have the, the benefit of kind of having um, like the best of both worlds of having 
the experience and knowing what it looked like, you know, prior to data and metrics, um, we knew what someone had to do when they entered the conference room and what, you know, what energy everyone in that room had to feel for people to feel like, okay, this person, they've, they've got it, you know, and this is what we, we want. We're going to get everyone in this building behind this artist because we believe in this artist, but they were only able to show us that from walking into that conference room and, and not, you know, that we didn't, we couldn't pull up our phones and look at IG and, you know, pull up a bunch of numbers. So, or we couldn't, and, and I, we couldn't get them to have their friends post that, whatever right. they thought they needed everybody to think. Right. They, they, they couldn't flood you with it in, in yeah. a moment when they needed it. And I think a lot of those artists, I mean, we even see it now in, um, when we, there's, with, the, with a lot of the content that's been out that's highlighted some of the older artists, like you see that they were stars. You see that why they've had longevity. Like, you know, like you see that, just energy. that. Like if you yeah, see that Snoop energy. Dogg, yeah. If you watch Snoop for five minutes, something's gonna happen that you wouldn't have done. Right. Like Snoop is gonna exactly. be Snoop shit. That's the star part. And, right. And, and by the way, and I, and, and I guess the, the point I, maybe the point I was trying to make in that whole thing is if, if you only look at the algorithm, you'll miss a lot of important people. Yes. Like you, you won't get the dirty South for outcast because you're only looking at, you know, it's like, you got to pay attention to the full scope. Well, I think it's like what you said that LA said that you were putting the culture in it. So like I'll, I'll point to right. first, right. Versus has confused the shit out of <laughs> and music industries because the, 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 the battles with the highest numbers are are the oldest or like with a yeah, deal in they have like one top yeah. 10 hit between them, right? So they don't understand and that's the culture part of it. That's the yes. part that you can't get from the data and that's the part that I think has been left out of a lot of the artist cultivation of the past few years because people are chasing the algorithm. And, and Steve, I'm gonna go back to you because you're the one who's, who's at a major right now. Um, how like how does when do you decide that you is there a time when you decide i really do like i know you said you're not one and done but is there a time when you weigh this is hot right now versus i know this person has the staying power to you know i can somebody can play their music in 20 years like a snoop you know 25 years and we're still gonna nod our heads because it sounds amazing like how do you how do you walk that line I mean, honestly, that's business, right? That's that's mm -hmm. that's a business. Um, that's always been trying to balance. Yeah. yeah, that's business. I mean, intention from a cultural apparatus is, I want if I can get an artist that has staying, and I can balance that out with something that's hot right now. Mm -hmm. To KP's point, one is if they're the same thing, one is going to serve under or before the other, and vice versa. Right. So, how I do it is. I want to get it both ways, but I'm from an era of a different love of rap music and street culture that it, it pains my integrity to do something that I don't love everything. That'd be a lie if I told you that, but um, it, I, I, I get a pain in my soul if I at least don't get into something that I don't think is authentic at mm -hmm. some point, somewhere. There has to be, even if it's one fourth of the dimension, I need to be able to point to something authentic, right? Right. It usually starts with the actual person, the personality and the mentality of the artist, right? Some artists just ain't there yet. Like some artists, we sign these deals. These these recording contracts are designed to catch you to make a star by the third album. That's what you hope. You know, if you're gambling, you hope it's on the first album. But if you're really like looking at the term of the contract and how it was built and, you know, you understand the, the history of the business, it kind of between albums two and three is where it's supposed to happen, right? right. So I'm looking, so I'm supposed to be a my bets on that time frame, but still right. trying to super serve the business model. Of right. Yeah. Um, and yeah. how do, how do now, um, just staying with you for a second, sorry, KB, were you gonna say something? No, 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 I was just, I was, oh. go, ahead, go ahead. Just staying with you for a second, Steve, again, cause you're at the major now. How do artists, like, how do you find them now? Or how do they get to you? Like, what is that process? I mean, honestly, now it's been, you know, I have my own personal circle of things that I watch, look, listen to. I try not to inundate myself with listening to too much. 
but I always will take a recommendation from a friend or a trusted source. So if someone points something to me on SoundCloud, like, yo, this kid is really, it's some shit or this is that, then I'm like, well, shit, let me check it out because I, I get so much in volume, there's no way my taste is going to be able to suss it out unless it's just something that I've had the chance to actually listen and understand or I'm just completely interested in it. And with all that I have going on, it's just very difficult to just, it's a needle in a haystack. And you get those things by people recommending them to you, right? I got next to Nipsey Hussle because of Nicole Planton. She called me. <laughs> That's how that happened. That's a true story. So it's like those things are just like, I rely on my network and relationships to kind of uh, feed me these things because I just don't know. Like, I like what I like and half the shit I listen to, I don't like it. But if I can get into a, a artist or something that's been sent to me and I can find something, then it builds my interest over time, you know? Nicole, um, same question for you. How, because that's one of the questions that we've had a lot over our discussions this whole time is how does a new artist, even, I mean, and we know there's a sound, even though there is SoundCloud and there's plenty of ways to put your own music out there, there are so many artists putting their own music out there. Like how do you, how does an artist get somebody's attention if they actually do want a deal? Yeah, I mean, I, it really comes from a variety of different places. I literally just kind of have my ears and eyes open to just everything. Um, I mean, you know, yes, trusted sources, um, you know, people that I know and who, who are working on projects, um, creatives, producers, um, yeah, just other creatives, but also just paying attention to what's going on in the culture. You know, I'm just naturally curious. Um, they used to call it nosy when I was younger, but I'll it's call it curious. <laughs> Inquisitive. <laughs> but it's worked in my favor. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, I just really, you know, I, I just kind of soak it in. I'm always kind of paying attention to what's what's going on in, in just culture and in different places, what's bubbling, what's next, whether I'm reading about it, whether I'm, you know, maybe there's a someone in the in the culture, a tastemaker that I follow or have a relationship with. And, you know, I keep dialogue constantly going. I think also when you um, tend to work maybe with certain artists, people start to have an idea in their mind of what they think you'll like. So, which has actually, you know, been good because I tend to get, people will send me music and artists that, um, I, you know, that are kind of up my alley, like my kind of an artist. So yeah, I mean, just all over, there's not really one specific place to be honest. I list, I literally listen and listen to all the streaming platforms. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm popping in and out all the time. And because you just really never know. Like I've literally found people in my DMs, you know? I was about to say with DMs, should people be sending y'all links? I mean, I don't love the DMs because <laughs> people want to have conversations with you and, you know, it's a little much, but, um, but I just, you know, like if something looks interesting and, and, and just, it'll spark my interest and I'll just kind of keep digging and keep clicking through until, and, and if it's, you know, so it's like, you really, I can't say, I really can't say, right. um, it ultimately it's, it's the artists, it's um, what they're putting out there. And, you know, if it's something that, look, like I said, if it looks interesting, whatever the content looks like, whatever, I mean, just, yeah, like I just will keep digging and, and oh. see what it's about. So yeah. it sounds like they gotta, it sounds like artists who are out there doing their own thing gotta keep building, gotta do the work to build their own profile enough to just eventually cut through so that somebody will notice them and and, 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 and respond in kind if they want to. Um, KB, we have some questions from the chat. I wanna throw this one at you. Who is an artist you didn't believe in at first that made it and why? That I didn't believe in? If, if, you, have, if you have one. 
Yeah, I don't even. I, okay, that's hard. Or is there a song it. that you were like, that ain't it, and then it went on to be a smash if you don't have an artist? The, maybe the the one I can think of is probably I I didn't think Goodies was gonna be as big as it was, but but I you know it, again I didn't think it was whack so right right so that don't even really count yeah I don't, um, I don't yeah I don't I don't know because I think ultimately if if it's not for me I don't put too much thought into it like if it doesn't connect like like I've seen people I've met with go on to do things big and I'm like oh man great you found the person right 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 like, right. Like, I think that's what it comes down to. I think people sometimes put energy in places that it doesn't come back from. Right. So like, it doesn't mean that you necessarily <laughs> didn't see it. It just means that it wasn't the right, it wasn't the right artist for you to work with. Based or, on- or, or it might've been a situation. Like, again, I, yeah. when I was at Col- at Columbia, like I met with Jeezy. Mm-hmm. I, I love Jeezy. Like, you right. know, shit. I, I, I would have loved to have been involved and been able to help. Right. But I was at Columbia. That shit would have never worked. Or like how LA got rid of the TI. Yeah, but it didn't work. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's like yeah. it, it's not that people are bad people and they just didn't fuck with me. It's like, no, they didn't get it. And right. it wasn't articulated in a way for you two to work properly. So mm. let's find the places where these things work better so you don't have to just arguing and stressing. Because mm-hmm. you know, that's what it comes down to is is finding your tribe is the same thing in record companies and teams, management, publishers. If you don't find the person like like I'm not the person that is responsible for Ti blowing up, but I know that my belief in him put him in rooms to make relationships that he was supposed to have, right. so that he can do what he was going to do. Right, right. You know, but that's based on belief. I authentically thought I like dude. Like I see him. Like he's 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 working. I saw his his character, and you know those things still matter. I think you know I think in getting a deal maybe not as much. Mm-hmm. But in finding a team and having success, you gotta you gotta have character because it's like that's what's gonna put you in a room with the people you're gonna be with, right? Right. Or, or running, put you out of that. I'll put you out of the room. I'm sorry. Right. We're running a little bit over, but we also started late, so I'm gonna keep rocking for just a couple more minutes. Um, Steve and Nicole, do either one of you have a story of like either there was talent that you saw and the you know the powers that be didn't. Um, so you, mm. so you didn't get an opportunity oh. to cultivate, <laughs> so you didn't get an opportunity to cultivate it like you wanted to, or something where you, you, you feel like you missed something like, like KP was saying that he met with people, they went on to do something bigger, but for him, it was like, oh, great. You found your person. But I know there are some people who are like, I really should have, I should have got that one. Like do either you have either stories on either of those sides. Well, I'm sorry. Can I finish mine yeah, on that one? That, no, that's a different question. <laughs> Yeah, go I mean, ahead. Ti is that for me, because yeah. when I left Eris, the the plan was for, to take him to Columbia with me. But mm. when we got to Columbia, when I got to Columbia with Twenty Folds Booming, um, we had a meeting, and, and my um my boss at the time didn't he didn't get it because he was like, we already got little flip. Imagine comparing Seattle. Oh wow. <laughs> But no, I'm saying, but it was like, it yeah. literally, that was his answer. He was like, we already got something like that. I'm like, it's... it's we got it's a Southern good. rapper. Yeah. yeah, I was like, they're not the same. And they both can exist in the same system because they're not the same. Right. But, you know, it, it was just, that was the one I was like, you know, the reason probably why we're not in business business together is because of that. Like, you know, like, I, I, I that was the first time I, that was my introduction to corporate A&R, where... Right you can have a strong enough instinctual feeling and gut or like reaction and the person that you're speaking to doesn't get it. Like right. I was used to being at the face where it's like, bruh, if I say it bruh properly. <laughs> <laughs> With the right emphasis. Yeah, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. It was done. And also you could battle it out. I think that's another thing. Like at a small label, say, you can battle it out. You could really be like, yo, you're bugging. This is supposed to be the but in a but in a corporate yeah. setting, they should yeah, that 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 could be considered overly passionate. Exactly. Do either one of style. y'all have, have stories like that? Steve or Nicole? That you care to share. I don't want to fuck yeah. up. <laughs> I mean, I'm not I, I don't think I'm gonna specify, I'm but I will say that I, I oh go ahead. Go ahead, can Steve. You hear me? He's breaking up a little bit. Yeah, no, I was gonna say I'm not I'm not um gonna specify necessarily uh 
but I will just say, you know, I was working um, at an in an at an independent label um, up until a couple months ago, and so um, you just have to be very very clear about what the fit what the artist needs, which is what we all keep coming back to. Like, what's what's the best fit for the artist? What are they going to need? How are they going to thrive? Um, what environments will be best for them? So I just think that I definitely have to be very aware while certain artists might've been, you know, popping, trending, um, who everyone was going after. I also had to just know kind of where we fit in terms of what we offered. Um, so yeah, I mean, I just, I had to work within my, what our uh, parameters were. And so I just think that yeah. might've affected some so of what I pursued. It don't hit the same if you don't know who it is. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. Forget <laughs> it, move on. <laughs> but, I think, but, I, but I do get it. It's like, you also have to know, like like KP said, you have to know if, I had people come to me when I was on marketing side and be like, yo, I, I want you to set up a meeting for blah, blah, blah. And I'd be like, this ain't, this ain't, this ain't the place. This ain't it, <laughs> this ain't it, this ain't it. Um, what were you gonna say, Steve? No, no, I, I, I don't have an extensive story. So I have a small story, but it didn't, it didn't end in any regret. It actually ended up exactly the way it was supposed to go. And it was when um, Nipsey and I was starting to work really, really fluently for like two or three years. And we went to a record label. Uh, we went to Atlantic Records at the time and they were just like, I, what the fuck? Like, I don't understand this. Like, this is <laughs> too, this is too left of what we understand. And this is not, that and it was you know that that was disappointing because we had made you know I, I damn they had to talk him off of a ledge to just even broach that kind of conversation and just get into the room when we got all the way to the top and had that conversation pretty explicitly and and that person just said no nah, this ain't it and then to just know like two years three years later when Crenshaw came out it changed the whole dynamic of the conversation right and then the conversation went from this is not what we anticipate could work for us to, this is the most important thing that we should be doing right now. So that part was just about, to me, I don't have any regretful stories about anything that I've missed. It's just more or less about just staying true to what you believe in and kind of just seeing it through. All right. Um, so considering that we're on SoundCloud and in the nature of our SoundCloud creatives, the one of, I have two final questions for you. The very last question I'm gonna ask you is just leave some parting thoughts with um, with everyone, whether it's a lesson, a failure that was a lesson, a general gem you carry with you. But before that, in the same kind of kind of sense, I'm gonna ask. So, with artists who are making their own music, like they're they're their own producers, they're doing their beats on on their computers, they're uploading it, they're getting instant feedback from fans. What would you advise them? in terms of the importance of some type of curation, guidance, assistance, A&Ring-esque, even if they choose to continue to go the indie route, like what, what do you hope that they all realize matters in putting together your catalog or your repertoire? Either one of y'all, any one of y'all can start. I think ultimately, no matter how you're playing, you're still playing for the same space. So, independence it, i think is best in the learning process like you don't you should i don't think it's necessary to be signed to a label when you're trying to figure it out like if it's your first time putting up a record on soundcloud it's not time to put it put to put to get a deal because you don't know who your fan is yet and if you get a deal it's because they know who your fan base is before you do and and that's they're basically trying to get in before the value is there so you can't go get a deal that matters so that by the time you do build, like you said, in that third, second, third album cycle, when you're there, there, the money is dictated or or paid out based on the level you were at when you started with that label. And you got to work your way out of that hole. And I just don't think that's beneficial for anybody other than the label. Um, but take the time to, when you're posting, engage, look at the, look at the, the reactions you're getting to your songs so you can start figuring out what people like and want from you because i think that's the part of anr that's that's anr to me it's like the development of the thing that you're good at so take take this time and and the ability to engage 
and learn in that process. But so by the time you go and get a deal, you can speak for yourself and say, no, well, my fan base is this to this. They live here. They do this. Because a lot of the times that artists have gone to labels and not gotten a deal, it wasn't because it's not necessarily because they're not good. It's because the person doesn't understand. And, and, and that understanding they didn't have is made, a brand or an identity they could translate into simple, yeah, it's all marketable, hope. sellable terms. Yeah, because it's all hope and potential at a point that you can write a song or you can rap or you can or you look cool. But at the moment that you can you can show that these people show up for you, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's on IG, whether it's at a live show, whether it's at your merch table. If you can show that there are these amount of people that show up for me, you put yourself in a, in a position to actually be what what nip speaks of and especially you know we're on soundcloud so there everybody's looking anyway like even people who say they're not they're always looking like we just we just did a compilation with soundcloud last month um well i am mother time soundcloud and we're doing another one now but the first one we did was because of covid we got independent artists who were used to being out doing shows you know building that way we would just, we figured we'd take our brand and what we have and what, you know, what eyes that are focused on us and kind of push them over to these new artists. It wasn't to sign them. It wasn't to, 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 for us to benefit. It was to give them light. Now, as an a person, I heard some records that I wish that I didn't make that kind of deal with because I would have signed a couple of those people. But we're listening. Just make great shit. You're in a time where if you're honest right now, you can connect with millions of people that are sitting at home that's what you're noticing from these places like Versus and, you know, people are sitting at home and they're looking for something to love. So, I think that's know. a good point. Um, Steve, you want to chime in on that? Yeah, no, I just, I would tell everybody the last thing is just um, focus on your music and build your audience and understand your audience. The same thing KP said, just focus on that because that is powerful. And once you understand that, you can build your business. And that's what's most important. That's what this platform is for this is you can ideate you can troubleshoot you can connect you can conversate you can get great feedback you can you can see your trends i think that those are incredible tools of 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 building and understanding your music and crafting your talent and skill set and building a great business model for it so i would say just keep on understanding that audience and, and work on your music nick yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to piggyback off of what everyone else said. It, it's a great testing ground, you know. Um, you can, you know, really understand your audience, understand what works, what doesn't work, and really just continue to build and develop what it is you're doing um, based off of what you want to do, but and also incorporate the feedback that you're getting. And I also think that it's a great space for collaboration. And I think, you know, which is a great way to develop. Um, as producers, I always encourage producers to find an artist that they really love um, and believe in and, you know, build a relationship with and just, you know, work together because that's how you're both going to be able to develop. So it's, it's a great resource to be able to get in, in, uh, to be able to connect with other talent and, and it's kind of boundless, you know, obviously it's on a global level and, you know, really explore and like I said, develop what it is you're doing. Okay. Develop your craft. But thank you guys, thank you guys for rocking with me and for staying with me over time. But we're gonna wrap up with the with your final general thought about the game, whether somebody wants to get in as an exec, whether they want to get in as an artist, whether they don't know because artists sometimes become execs. Your final thoughts, Steve, start with you this time. The game is ever changing, it's ever, it's ever evolving. Um, and on one side of it, you need to adapt with what the changes are, but at the same time, just stay yourself, mm -hmm. stay true and authentic and unreasonable. And I mean unreasonable in the terms of don't let nothing conform what you believe in and just try to be an individual and not get into the trends, but definitely understand. Authenticity is so key. You gotta, yeah. you gotta have a, you gotta have an anchor. You gotta have an anchor as to who you are and what you are. Um, Nicole, what would be your final thought? Um, I think that I'm going to agree, you know, with what Steve said, I think, um, just, 
I think listening to your gut is, is really, really important. Um, yes. You know, and, and yeah, I mean, the, the industry is continuously evolving. There's changes every day. We have to keep up with what's going on, but, um, don't underestimate your, your instincts. You know, that's something that you've developed over time. That's something you've developed through your experiences. And also just, it's a part of who you are and don't under, don't, don't underestimate that, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. KP, I'm leaving you with the final word of the day. The game is the game. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, sorry. I just went into some wire shit, my fault. Um, <laughs> nah, you know what? in the game sense of it treat it like a sport like practice like get yes. get in your zone get to the gym do all the things fundamentally that you're supposed to do first and then learn how to swag it like don't you you can't lean too hard on swag without substance right. so you know authenticity will allow you to notice real shit and that may help you to develop in a real way so just keep your eyes on real shit. So eventually, it, and I'm glad you brought that up, so I'll just elaborate on that. So even though now it's easier than ever to be a to play with the ideas of production, to record, to whatever, eventually you got to learn those fundamentals. So you got to learn the baseline before you can actually grow and get better. Well, at, here's the thing, and I, and I guess let's put, look at it from an example space. Right. We've seen probably in the last two years about 30 hottest new artists mm -hmm. the ones who are about to blow because right. they had a they had a, they had a record they had a moment they did something by themselves that resonated but then when asked to repeat that they, right right they weren't trained in it to do it you put them in a room with somebody who does it for a living and now they're recognizing the difference in the gap between them and this professional and that professional now is looking at that and it and it basically diminishes confidence on both sides for that person it's right. so much easier to just take the time to learn the process to to actually hone a skill or two right because whatever that that thing that you hone will be the thing that saves you like if career-wise if anything i can say that being a dj from day one <laughs> mm -hmm. has kept me going this time because i understand the 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 the, the, the values in that right the fundamentals in that is is everybody moving? Why they stop moving? Does, you know, it's like, <laughs> it, it's, right. that has kept me on my toes in every situation I've ever been in. Right, right. So it's there's like, no, fine. there's no cheat codes, everybody. There's no cheat codes. Maybe in the beginning, somebody said short, you always pay for shortcuts eventually. So even if you Man. take it in the beginning, you got to pay for it back. And guys, thank you, KP, Nicole, Steve, thank you guys so much for your time. Thank you for sharing of your wisdom. Viewers, thank you guys for watching. Again, um, thank you for staying with us over time. I have been Naima Cochran. This is Cloud Bar, and we all hope you learned something. Thank you so much. Bye, y'all.